to the KBB Review podcast. I'm the editor of KBB Review, Rebecca Nottingham. Don't worry, Andy isn't locked in his loft or anything more sinister. I've actually taken over the podcast this week to bring you a couple of very special episodes to mark International Women's Day, which is March the 8th or today if you're listening to it on Monday. The corporate side of the KBB industry is predominantly run by men and yet at the sharp end for consumers looking for a new kitchen or bathroom, the purchasing decisions are predominantly made by women. So why are there so few women leading the industry? Should they have more of an influence on how the companies are run and the products they sell? And does any of this even matter? In this first episode, I'll be catching up with two of the leading women on the supply side of the UK KBB industry, Teresa Arvokel, the MD of Becco UK, and Raffaella Di Vittorio, Sales Director at Geberit UK. And in the next episode that comes out next week, I'll be talking to two leading female retailers, Diane Berry of Diane Berry Kitchens in Manchester and Tina Riley of Modern Homes in Leamington. But first... You may have seen the news last week that we are going to have a proper, fully-fledged live event for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. For very obvious reasons, it's a bit later than originally planned, but make sure you put Wednesday the 15th of September in your diary. We're holding the event at the St George's Hall in the UK's greatest city, Liverpool. And obviously Andy told me to say that bit. We'll be giving out the trophies and gathering together the industry for the biggest post-lockdown party. I've already got my dress sorted, so I'll see you all there. We're expecting a big one, so my advice is get in early and book your seats and tables now. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards for all the details. What's it like to be a woman running one of the biggest companies in the KBB industry? Well, someone who knows all about that is Teresa Arbuckle, who is, of course, the Managing Director of Becco UK. And hopefully she's joining us. Hi, Teresa, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Now, everyone knows Becco, of course they do. But for those who don't quite know the scale of the brand globally and here in the UK, more importantly, can you just explain that to us? Absolutely, no problem. I run the Becco PLC, which is Becco UK and Ireland. So we have over 300 employees all over the country, uh, four main offices. We're approximately £425 million worth of net sales annually. We have over 3 million appliances that get sold into retailers and consumers every year. We have a 95% review score, so we have high-quality performance on all of our brands, particularly Becco. And I'm very pleased to say that uh, last year, in the middle of all this corona crisis, we achieved an 86% employee engagement score. Becco has been in the UK and Ireland for over 30 years, and we have an estimate that about one in four homes have some sort of Becco appliance, whether it's Becco, Grundig, Leisure Range Cookers, or Blomberg, or Flavel. So those are our biggest brands, uh, and I'm very pleased to be here today. We're here to celebrate International Women's Day. So tell us, what is it like being a woman and being the managing director of a brand as big and as influential as Becco? What qualities do you believe you bring specifically to to the business? I feel very privileged to be leading Becco. I joined the company 10 years ago in September as the marketing director. And six years ago, only last month, I became the managing director when my boss moved back to headquarters uh, to run the whole international business. I feel that many of the leadership qualities that anybody would be looking for in a managing director 
are the same whether the managing director is male or female or Martian, uh, specifically looking for people who've got a strategic vision, who are in touch with their consumers and what their consumers need and want, who understand the value of strong retailer relationships, and who've got a flexibility and a passion for the brands that they work for. So I'm very lucky to have joined the company. We've seen it grow from strength to strength. Um, We're now the number one group in the UK, uh, and we have our whole portfolio of brands that's helped us deliver that. So it means that we're doing something right in terms of what consumers are looking for and how we treat our retailers in these markets. We'll talk a bit about how Becco has managed to achieve that, because I'm hoping that that has something to do with women being involved and creating this much more diverse pot and a more balanced view. But was it a challenge for you to become the managing director of such a big brand, you know, as a woman, or was it not even anything that you even considered? I think that's a really good question. I definitely had some doubts about how I would be as the managing director. My whole career had been in marketing And I have to say that that the world itself doesn't really necessarily promote women at the early stages of their career to think about what it might be to be in positions of leadership. And I was very lucky and privileged that my company realized that I had the potential to do it and that I was given the opportunity. And I feel lucky as well that I had a very strong team of people working for me that helped support me as I learned what it meant to be a good managing director. I think that the statistics, not just for the KBB industry, but in general in business, uh, bear out that women just probably aren't getting enough of those nudges earlier on in their career to, to think big and to try and overcome the concerns or the barriers they think they have and more focus on, oh, I can't actually do this, as opposed to thinking, well, yes, I can. I think it's changing. I think it's getting better. But it was definitely not easy in those first weeks and months uh, trying to come to grips with what it meant to be in charge of such a big organization. No, I I can well imagine. And just to be clear, you know, this issue of women struggling to get to the top or understanding that they can have the, the family and also have a successful career. It's not just a KBB industry issue, is it? This is a much broader business and social issue. So, What does the industry or what can the industry do to change that? You're absolutely right. This isn't just about the industry that we are working in. But as we're working in this industry, why not start with it? Because there's some great examples throughout both retail, customer, brand, manufacturer, great examples where women are leading the way or being a part of a great diverse team. So I don't think that we're starting at zero. I think we're just, why not illuminate on International Women's Day some of the success we can have and how we can help hopefully uh, motivate others in the industry to to keep going and to keep shooting for the stars. But you're you're absolutely right. In terms of the statistics, it is still a bit daunting. Um, And I take a couple of these stats from a a book called Invisible Women, uh, which is written by Caroline Creative Pereth. And she states that 75% of unpaid work globally is done by women. So that's over the whole of the world. That's three to three to six hours a day. Every day is done by women outside of work versus men at 30 minutes to two hours. So there, right there, you see one of the big issues that women might feel they have where they're trying to balance the workload of the home, which is unpaid generally, 
and the office. And specifically in the UK, in the same book, the Office of National Statistics shows that men have five more hours of leisure time every week than women. So this is not just a, oh, it's happening somewhere else in the world. We see this specifically here too. There was an article in the Sunday Observer last week showing that during the first lockdown, it was estimated that women took on 78% more of the childcare duties than men. And 79% of 1,500 women surveyed said the responsibility for the home really fell largely to them. So these are real issues. There's, you know, there's a real hours that are happening every single day. And I think it's about raising the issues in a positive way so that people can address them. When I was offered the role of managing director at Becco, I did have to have a serious chat with my husband. And he's a successful consultant surgeon. He's a doctor at the, in the NHS in his own right. And I had to talk to him about how we were going to be able to manage as my responsibilities grew bigger. And it was a really good conversation because he was incredibly supportive of me. And those are some of the insights that we need to give women along the way so that they can pay their own success in their own career. And the only other thing I will add to be more positive about the subject is the more studies are coming around that's saying that more diversity creates better companies. And I love that. And I'm going to repeat it. More diversity. And it's just not men and women, but diversity in terms of the Bain community, diversity in terms of ethnicity. These create more interesting companies, more interesting dialogue. Um, it's not just a female agenda. It's an inclusion agenda. Um, the BCG group, Boston Consulting Group, show that um, companies with diverse management teams have a 19% increase in sales. And Deloitte showed that more diverse companies enjoy two to three times higher cash flow per employee. So it's it's coming. And the good news is that there are lots of companies doing it. We just need to shine a light so that we can give people who are coming up in their career some hints and tips on how to get there faster and hopefully help companies with ways of accepting a more inclusive workforce. Absolutely. We, we did a bit of research for our March issue and found that when it comes to buying a kitchen or a bathroom and the products that go in them tends to be the women that are the lead decision makers. So, of course, it seems odd in that respect that the industry is oriented by males. Wouldn't it make for a stronger industry, more relevant products if we do get more women in the decision making roles? I totally agree. And and I joke with some of the colleagues that, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, iPhones and and for appliances, women wouldn't be in the place they're in, they're in today because appliances help to cut down that time, those chores that are so menial and so un, uninteresting and allows women, mainly women, because they do a, a lion's share of the housework, allows them to be more free to be able to pursue other um, activities. You know, I know that for the article that you kindly wrote about this topic for International Women's Day, you spoke to a couple of the people in my company, one of whom is a product manager who's female, who definitely believes that the insights that she has about how people use the appliances are probably more geared to the kind of people who are using the appliances, mainly women. Um, and that it does help her in coming up with the best insights and the best products for the market. 
So I don't think it has to be all women. Uh, that's definitely not what we're advocating. It's just probably a better balance so that all people get to make their point. And I would say the same for ethnic diversity as well. The UK is a fantastic tapestry of very different types of people living all over the country. And they use appliances differently based on how big their families are, what they're using the products for. So we at Beko, because we have a very diverse board, we feel lucky that our board helps to reflect a good role model onto the rest of the company. And people feel really comfortable speaking their mind about their own experience or about what they believe is true uh, in the consumers that they're working with. Just going back to the issue of women don't tend to aim for the higher positions in business is because obviously they have other responsibilities. A lot of the childcare does tend to fall to women. Part of the issue then is that we need more flexible working. Do you think what's happened in the past year with the pandemic, do you think that'll actually help break down some of the barriers and organically create a more flexible working environment for women and open up more opportunities for us to to take on these top roles? Absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. It's very clear that if you're role modeling around great results and talent, and you're empathetic that the deadline doesn't have to be 5 p.m., the deadline needs to work around people's schedules in order for people to be successful. If you're able to role model that and you're able to champion that, because I have two children. People know that I've got two children and I like to see them every day. And they know that I've been able to manage a, a pretty a pretty busy job with that very important role. I take my role as mother incredibly uh, seriously. So if I can do it, then clearly others might say, well, so can I. And she's clearly found, she's found a way to do it in a way where she seems happy, her kids seem happy, the work and, and, and the company is happy. I think one of the best things, maybe one of the only good things that's happened from Corona, because it has been so destabilizing for so, so many of us, is that it's 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 told companies that they need to trust their employees even more. And when everyone, at least in my company, uh, who's in a office job, you know, went out into cyberspace to continue to do that same job but from their home, that immediately the trust had to be given because that was the only option was there. And when we look at the results that we've had and we see the kind of passion and determination that all of the colleagues took on in the whole of last year, it, it, it actually is quite moving. Uh, it, it, it shows you how strong people's commitments are. And it absolutely plays to the agenda for women who want more flexibility. It shows that women who want flexibility doesn't mean that it's a toll on their deliverables. It might just be a toll on the timing of those deliverables. And as long as people are more empathetic and they understand that the best work is more important than the fast work, then I think we will see a continued progression uh, of women getting higher and higher into organizations. And again, I think this is about diversity as well. This isn't just a women's agenda. This is about people from different walks of life feeling that they can do the job too. Something actually that you said that really struck a chord with me about this whole subject. This is about diversity. This isn't just about men versus women. This is about making our workforces much more diverse in all areas. What we're striving for is gender blindness, creating this much more diverse creative thinking pot. 
I agree with you that gender bond, it's not even gender blindness, is it? It's, it's people blindness. It's the fact that the ability to understand how someone can be motivated to deliver on the results and to create an environment that makes them feel confident that they can do it. I think half of it is confidence. There was a study done on when a, when a man is looking at a promotion in, in a job, and there's a job description, which has got 10 things that the, the person's supposed to do in that job. If there's eight things that the person is, the man has done and two that they've never done before, the man will say, I've got this, uh, you know, I'm, I've got most of this. I'm definitely the right person for this job. Same example with a woman who has done eight of those job description titles, but not two of them. And a, a more immediate reaction, an emotional reaction from a woman can tend to be, not always, can tend to be, oh, I don't have two of the 10 things that this company is looking for. I'm not so sure I can do this job. And I think that that's part of the confidence level that people, when they see others like themselves, either the same ethnicity or another female who, you know, is that we all become role models for, for each other, that we aren't perfect, that, you know, we're not great in everything, but that as long as our work is valued and we work hard and, and we deliver on what we say we're going to do, we should all be able to be in a more diverse environment and do better at it. I'm really pleased to see that one of the views about how the UK, now that we're out of uh, the EU, how can the UK continue to be ahead of the game, you know, the sixth largest global economy with a, with, an, with a population of 66 million. I mean, that is truly impressive. And I, I love the fact that sustainability is so high on the government's agenda because the sustainability isn't just about green issues. It's about diversity issues and it's about diversity of talent, which the UK has in spades. So I think it's a real, there's a real moment right now between Corona, um, people like yourself bringing these issues to the fore for things like International Women's Day. And hopefully we can continue to progress this agenda in a positive way for everybody. As a role model in the industry for women, what advice would you have for women who are perhaps looking at this industry for a career or for, for those that are already in the industry but are sort of toying with the idea of taking their career further? You know, Is there a nugget of advice that you could give Absolutely. So there are some things that I did early in my career that did help me and some things that I did early in my career that didn't help me. Um, I'd say a couple of the positives were, were that I was lucky enough to land on one or two during my different parts of my career, one or two really strong mentors that helped guide me around my leadership journey and around what I was needing to do. And they were both male. That wasn't intentional, but it did help because it helped to have the male point of view as I was going through and getting feedback about how I was being perceived. You know, there's a whole issue around women that were, women that act more like men can be quite threatening. Um, and guess what? Women don't like acting like men. We like acting like women, but we like acting like women and, and being heard um, and being taken seriously. But when you're young and the only people that you see around you in the boardroom are men, you do tend to take on more of their behaviors. So it's great to have a male mentor that gives you some guidance, gives you feedback in what I would call a very nurturing environment, because women do much better when they're nurtured in their career than where they're sort of slapped down in their career. So I feel lucky I did that. 
I think one of the things I didn't do so well was to continue to network through my career. That doesn't mean that you have to go to cocktail parties and have, you know, wine and cheese with people you don't know uh, and talk about things that you're not interested in. It's really around, you know, who are the people in industry that interest you? Who are the people outside of your industry that you want to follow on social media? What seminars and what passion topics do you have? Because I think then you have a broader base of interests and a broader base of people that you can call on as your career evolves. I'm no longer working in FMCG. I work in the white goods industry, but yet some of the transferable skills are very similar. Some of the agencies I worked with back in the olden days, I still work with today. So I probably didn't do that as strongly. And and I do think it's one thing that men do generally better than women. So that would be a, a, a little tip. And I would also say, you know, shoot high. You know, I, I just think women think sort of the next the, the next career progression as opposed to what would you really want to be if someone let you be that in five years time? Let let yourself be a little bit more adventurous about what that looks like and, and work your way backwards to see how you get there. Fantastic. We could literally talk about this all day, but unfortunately, we've got to bring this chat to a close for now. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your advice and detail of your experience as a really influential woman in the KBB industry. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk about something that means so much to me. So thanks for bringing it to everyone's attention. Thank you. What's it like to be a woman working as a sales director of one of the biggest brands in the KBB industry? Someone who knows all about that is Raffaella Di Vittorio, the sales director at Geberit UK. Hi, Raffaella. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Now, everyone will know the Geberit brand, I'm sure, but just introduce yourself and the role that you play at the brand and the brand's role in the UK. Yeah, I've been with the business for nearly 20 years now. I started off in in the German division and moved over to Gebridge UK in 2003. I'm responsible for uh, specification and retail. So we get involved with all things concerning architect and designer-led specification into high-end residential offices and hotels. Uh, And then obviously the big Part of my role is heading up the retail division. I've seen a huge amount of change over the last few years since having moved to, to the UK division. And obviously everybody knows Gebrid uh, as, as the, the driver for war-hung sanitary systems technology. We also, uh, of course, are really quite large on the supply and drainage system side of the business, which maybe not everybody knows. And of course, since the acquisition of Sanitech in 2015, we now offer the, the full bathroom package with the ceramics and furniture uh, offering that's now uh, included as part of our entire portfolio. So we can, with a few exceptions, pretty much offer the entire bathroom package, everything that brings water in and around the building and out again. We can offer that from, from a one-stop shop, basically. Obviously, we're on the podcast today to celebrate International Women's Day. So it would just be really interesting to hear what it's like being perhaps one of the few female sales directors in the industry. 
it's not something I really think about, to be honest with you, Rebecca. I don't think of myself as one of the few or or unique in that sense. I I work with a a fantastic team of of highly capable people uh, in our organisation, but also engage with with some fantastic people in, in our customer base. I've never uh, really been made to feel any different or disadvantaged by the fact that uh, I'm, I'm a female professional. So it's been quite a straightforward path for myself. But but obviously, I do realize that I have been, in, in a sense, privileged because I have made the decision quite some time ago, 20 years ago, to join an organization that's quite progressive when it comes to thinking about gender equality and what men and women can bring to the table at uh, at every level in an organisation. What's particularly interesting about you and your role, a lot of it is the behind the wall stuff. So you're having to deal with installers a lot more as well as retailers. Now, how do you find that aspect as, as a woman? Again, quite straight, straightforward, actually. But it's interesting that you asked this question because when I first started out uh, around 20 years ago, so I was fresh from uni and, and I joined the business, I kind of asked the question of one of our senior execs, you know, why there weren't more women in this industry. And he kind of pointed out exactly that. He was saying, you know, Dealing with installers and technical products isn't something women enjoy. Uh, it didn't elaborate any further on that, but he, he definitely left me with the clear impression that the industry I found myself in wasn't really meant to be for me, wasn't really suited for women. Now, I, I have found quite the opposite. You know, in, in, during the path of my career, I've, I've been in many different departments, I've done many different roles, and, and you know, I got to a point... That, at, at one stage where I could tell you uh, the fold of a shower toilet via the phone. That's how technical I became in, in my role. So there's this idea that women don't enjoy technical challenges or don't enjoy engaging with technical people and, and tradespeople. It's certainly n- nothing that ever really was true for me. That's excellent that you've not had any difficult reactions, I guess. Your interview that you did for our March issue, which obviously focuses on influential industry women, something that you actually pointed out was that Geberit actually has a very diverse workforce. And we're not just talking about male and female here, you know, it's about diversity across all areas. How does that benefit the brand and the industry, having a more balanced and diverse workforce? I think uh, it's all about recognising yourself in your leadership team, isn't it? How how does it change the game to have a a diverse leadership team and a diverse workforce? And and certainly looking at it from a leadership team perspective, uh, for me, it's about being able to inspire the leadership team should inspire the rest of the business you know they should bring the rest of the business along and if the rest of the business can't recognize themselves within their leadership team can't identify themselves with their leadership team there's a sense of disconnect for me uh, that happens but equally when you can identify yourself with that leadership team and you think to yourself I could be one of those people Mm -hmm. I believe it does 
create a certain level of enthusiasm in an organization. It allows people to push boundaries rather than just staying sat in their own little box and, and thinking this is where I belong and this is where someone else belongs. And equally, it allows people to raise their ambition. And therefore, you know, with a balanced, diverse leadership team, you create a balanced and diverse workforce and you can create a certain buzz around the organization. You're all in it together. You're in it to, to reach a common goal and anyone can be whatever they want to be in that organization. So it doesn't stifle creativity, it doesn't stifle ambition. So for me, being diverse at every level of the organization means you, you have the potential to create a higher achieving team. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess when it comes down to the product development, having a much more balanced design team, say, or the marketing team, considering that women tend to be the lead decision maker in the purchase of kitchens and bathrooms, makes sense, doesn't it, that more women are involved in the development of products and bringing them to market? It eliminates blind spots, doesn't it? Having loads of different people with different experiences, different skill set, looking at a problem or, or looking at finding a solution and bringing to the table all of these different nuances that make them up as a person. And that could be male, female or any kind of background uh, that people come from that allows you to do that. And certainly, yes, in our industry, it is a lot of the time, the women that decide what goes into a bathroom, I've just gone through that experience myself. We've just renovated two of our bathrooms. So certainly taking a very leading role in, in that project. But I do think men look at maybe other other elements of, of that bathroom. So it has even, even though I am from the industry, ultimately became a joint decision. So I do think it's probably rare that, it is just the woman or it's just the man that makes all, all the decisions. So it is uh, absolutely the right thing to consider that in, in product development, in how we talk about our offering, how we market it, how we uh, bring it to the hearts and minds of the people. And, and that's really, again, where a diverse team can function so much more better than and, than a team that is perhaps a little bit more blinkered because you have a bunch of people that are all thinking in the same way. You've had some really positive experiences throughout your career, which is fantastic. But from a society point of view, generally speaking, women do tend to still shoulder the lion's share of childcare and a lot of the time do tend to do more of the household chores. Do you think that what's happened in the past year with the pandemic will actually sort of help break down some of the barriers there and organically create a more flexible working environment? I really hope so. I and mean, certainly the early indicators are there that we are not going to go back to the same rigid approach to office life or working life that we may maybe had or the majority of us experienced prior to to the crisis and and sometimes I mean it's sad to say but sometimes it takes a, a monumental event to to really help people to sit back and reflect on on what is what is the right approach in in these situations and, and you're quite right Rebecca you know with what you're saying the fact that women are still kind of 
boxed into these more traditional caregiving roles with its elderly parents or, or children restricts their options a lot more, no doubt about it. And at the same time, women as a, as a whole, as a group, as a demographic, get perhaps judged by that. So and perhaps given less opportunities. And, I, and I've seen it time and time again, you know, where very capable, very ambitious, uh, high achieving women climb up the, the, the ranks and, and, and make their, forge their own path and destiny within an organization. And then something like a crisis happens uh, in their family environment. And they're the ones that step back from the career and they're the ones, you know, that, that, that take care of the more personal side of, of, of their lives. So I do, I do like to think that there's an opportunity here for businesses to rethink, to not go back to how things were, but take the positives out of the situation. And, and I maintain, you know, if you make the working environment more flexible for women, at the same time, it becomes more flexible for men. And they too can find a much better, healthier balance. You suddenly are able to tap into double the talent pool and you end up with a much more happy and contented workforce, in my opinion. Do you feel like a role model? I mean, I know that there are a few senior women at Geberit UK, but do you feel like a role model and, or, or that people in your position should be a role model? I think anyone in in a senior position should be aware of the fact that others look towards them for, for various things, for guidance, for inspiration, for stability, for information. Um, so it's, again, it's not particularly to, particular to the fact that I'm a woman and, and there's maybe not that many. And as you alluded to, you know, we have three executive board members that are women you know, on, on our boards and we're a team of seven including our managing director Mark Larden and and you know three of us are women so I guess in our organization it's normal it's kind of the normal thing but I, I am aware of the responsibility and and I do also whenever I can use my position as well to further the professional development of other women within the organizations. So I think there's a responsibility there, but there's a responsibility for men and women to really empower the entire workforce and particularly empower women and foster diversity. So making sure that being diverse becomes a business goal, just like any other goal, for example, you know, that's a really important topic to me uh, when I was younger uh, I was really quite you know I'm not talking quotas but in this instance but the idea of having a quota of having certain amount of diversity within at a board level or within the management structure or fabric of, of an organization is something that really sort of like I, I massively rejected in, in the past but you know evidence now shows that there is at this rate you know if we look at you know top achieving businesses all over the world it will take us another 50 plus years before there's true gender equality, never mind equality uh, and diversity as a whole, just gender equality. So I do, I am now at the point in my career and in, in, you know, maybe it's to do with age as well, I don't know, but I have mellowed to the idea that actually businesses do need to have 
proper plans in place if they want to be diverse and benefit from whatever diversity brings to their organization that needs to be treated like a business goal and you need to ensure that you work towards that and and it starts from the from the grassroots doesn't it it starts with who you bring into the organization how you nurture them through the ranks how you develop them how you invest into them how you challenge them and that is a process you know it doesn't just happen uh, I compare it very much with when we when we acquired Sanitech as an organization and suddenly our UK division doubled in size and doubled in people doubled in turnover and we were sort of suddenly left to to wonder what our culture is all about we didn't just let the new Gebrid culture just we didn't just let it happen we put concerted effort into that and made made it happen and i think diversity is is needs to be approached in a similar in a similar way Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. And it's certainly a subject that the industry does need to talk about, as, as we've, we've touched on. But it's been an absolute pleasure hearing about your experiences. And I just hope this inspires other women to aim for more senior roles in the industry and to just see this industry as a career path. I hope so too, Rebecca. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Thanks, Rafaela. Thanks so much to Teresa and Raffaella for their time. It's a really interesting topic and it will be interesting to see how it plays out in the industry over the next few years. Look out for next week's episode with top retailers Tina Riley and Diane Berry. And don't forget to get in early and book your seats for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards on Wednesday, September the 15th at the St George's Hall in Liverpool. For all the info, go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards. 